0: This is filmmaker Elian Henry, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWG. TheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet.
1: Hey, okay, we are back. KCWG, the program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, a couple years ago, we had the honor of having this next guest on. She was just at the beginning stages of her wonderful tribute documentary to the late, great jazz trumpeter, Mr. Roy Hargrove and she has done a lot of work since that time and i wanted to catch up with her to see how things are going so ladies and gentlemen please welcome back to psychotic bump school our good sister miss Eliane henry miss henry are you there i am here hi rome what's going on how in the world are you doing i'm good i'm
0: good thank you so much for inviting me back again for a follow-up interview
1: I've been wanting this follow-up interview for quite some time. Ever since you left the show last time, Elian, I was wondering, because you were telling us how much work was ahead of you. And I honestly was thinking, wow, she's got some tough sledding ahead of her. She sounds resolute, but it sounds like it's going to be a lot of work. Uh, how much work have you put into it up to this point? And where is this project right now? Can you give us a little update?
0: Yes. Certainly. Uh, Making a documentary is a tremendous amount of work. It is more work than you can imagine. Uh, It's definitely a marathon and Mm. it definitely takes, um, you know, a community of people to pull it together. Um, Mm. We are currently, we have a beautiful, beautiful rough cut. Yeah. And, you know, the last time I was here with you, we were trying to raise money to edit the film. And so, you know, we spent the pandemic editing and the film looks great. It's gorgeous. It's incredible. Uh,
1: I wish I could see it. I wish I could see it right now. I
0: know. I can't wait to share it with you soon. Very soon.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And yeah, it just, it's, it's, I'm very proud of the work,
1: so. Oh, fantastic. So what have you learned? Because you were a filmmaker prior to this, right? Just not the documentary format. Is that correct?
0: Well, I had um, produced, I had worked on the production side of a documentary um, in 2013 that was released in 2017. And so that gave me some, um, and that was Feel Rich, Health is the New Wealth. Um, And that gave me some... Like um, experience in the documentary realm, but this is a whole different thing because this was my kind of idea from inception to the whole. You know, it's just a, like a completely different animal. But uh, yeah, so.
1: Wow, well, what have you learned? What What, what have been the more <laughs> eye popping, eye opening moments that you didn't expect when you started this process?
0: Well, I mean, for one thing, when we started, Roy was alive. So, I mean, that was a huge um, turning point. And I mean, I guess that that's the thing about documentary filmmaking that's such a fascinating experience is that the story evolves and, and mm-hmm. grows and twists and turns as you're going. And so it's not, you don't always end up with the film that you thought you were setting out to make in the beginning. Oh, yeah. you know? wow. So Yeah, that's yeah.
1: huge, that's huge. I, I, I think I forgot about that part. You started this while he was here.
0: Yeah, I mean, even that first sizzle reel that's up on YouTube now, which is now at 23,000 views. Nice. You know, Roy was alive when we made that first look reel. We had just shot in, um, I think like Los Angeles, Paris and New York at that point. So, you know, that reel I was using to raise money to shoot the European summer tour, you know? And so it's like, uh, you know, but it's still people are watching it and people really like it and it has helped us fundraise for the film. And so, but we have come such a long way even from that first look reel that's up on YouTube, you know?
1: Wow, okay. So I know you put the word out. So how did you find your editors? Um, are you able to uh, give us some insights about what the... because? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm I'm thinking about embarking upon the world of documentary uh, filmmaking. I don't know if I'll uh, be able to do as thorough a job as you are, but I'm just I'm just appreciating the journey because that's where all the lessons are acquired. Uh, how'd you find your editors? Uh, did you was it a cross national search? Was it international? Yeah. How did you? Yeah. Find them?
0: You know, there's so many things. Um, the there's so many. And finding an editor is not easy. That was that was challenging for me. I mean, there was the challenge of raising the money to edit, <laughs> which is its own challenge, and then finding the right editor. You know, there were a couple of times where I went down wrong roads that didn't end up being the right fit for Hargrove. And that was very, that was frustrating for me because, you know, I had the fantasy of just like finding the right editor and from we would just do it from beginning to end. And, you know, but it wasn't like that. It's like I had a couple of wrong fits before I, I found the right person, but it's just like, you know, reaching out, people introducing you to people, you know, and then one thing after another. And then, um, you know, actually, I ended up back with the editor who did the first look reel, who he wasn't available, but then, you know, so I had gone to a couple of other editors, but then the pandemic and made his schedule available again. And so then it worked out and he was able to, yeah. So, um, so, you know, we have the rough cut, but, and my editor, Joseph Marconi, um, you know, did the, did this rough cut. And um, now we're in the process of, um, you know, I've kind of had to take off the director hat and put on the producer hat, and we're doing the clearances um, and all the licensing. And so, Depending on what I can or can't clear, we may have to go in and you know change. You know, hopefully we can clear everything, but um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that will affect you know what the difference between the rough cut and the fine cut might be. You know what I mean?
1: I do. So what? I mean, if just focusing on what worked, so what kind of fit was required to do a film about Roy Hargrove as an editor? Is this someone that has music sensibility? Are they musicians themselves or have it in their pedigree?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that was really important to me in looking for an editor. I was like, yeah, somebody needs to have like this sense of rhythm and timing because that was so important to Roy. And then, you know, and then the music is so, the music is part of the storytelling in my film, I feel like. And so it's it's um, also a challenge for me is that I didn't, I didn't edit, m- my vision for this film was not for it to be like the classic, like, book report on Roy Hargrove. Like I was born in Waco, Texas. Then I went here, then I went here, you know, I didn't want to do this very formulaic linear documentary. And I think, um, most editors because that's what they know, because that's, what's familiar because that's what we've always seen. I feel like it's a default to just edit a film that way. And I really wanted someone who would who would get in and go through all the verite footage, just all of those real life, raw moments that I had with Roy in the last year, year of his life. And it seems like the first couple of editors that I tried out, it was almost like that they were too, they were almost like afraid or t- intimidated by the verite. They just wanted to like edit the interviews, you know? And I have such great interviews, by the way, we have, <laughs> Some of the most iconic, beautiful, incredible interviews from, you know, the most important, you know, Black musicians of our time. We have Erica Badu, we have Herbie Hancock, Wynton Marcellus, Robert Glasper, uh, Most Deaf, uh, Questlove, wow. you know, all these great interviews. And so, yes. understandably, the editors were drawn to like let's just you know edit these interviews but it's like no I wanted it to be the verite and so that's really the foundation of our piece is like the verite footage and that's what made this editor the right fit for me because he was able to go in and work with that footage and make that the foundation of the film instead of trying to make like the interviews, the foundation. If that makes any sense, yeah. I know I went off on a big tangent. <laughs> oh no,
1: that's perfect because the the yeah. appreciation of the, the the nuances and the detail that's what a musician does. They they look for the crevices in a music piece and they find space. You know, and it's amazing what you could do in a measure when you're counting just four four time. All the the kind of riffs you can do, and I can imagine an editor that has music sensibility that's doing a film on Roy can appreciate that, that hunt and that search for space to find the beauty in something that maybe somebody else wouldn't necessarily catch, right? But you said that you didn't want it to be formulaic and you wanted to kind of not stick to a mold, but what challenges did you encounter? Because aren't you kind of bound by the documentary format to do it a certain kind of way? And if you stray beyond that, I'm just wondering what challenges that you encountered.
0: Yeah, I mean, the challenges that I encountered, I mean, one of the great challenges was was finding an editor who was willing to kind of follow my direction in that approach. And, you know, and if you talk to Joseph, I mean, even he'll say I kind of had to undo everything, you know, my normal way and be willing to kind of. You know, and it was, it was this very, like, I mean, we were just out there on a raft, you know, in the wide ocean, oh, yeah. just like, you know what I mean, just going for it. And then it was like, you know, but I had, um you know, my mentor, Sam Pollard, who's a great filmmaker. Mm. Um, and he's also a professor at NYU. He's edited several of Spike Lee's films, but he also. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, where have we heard that name before? Okay, Spike Lee. Okay.
0: Yeah and and Sam currently has a documentary out on Martin Luther King that's mm-hmm. um and and one on um, black artists that's on HBO right now but anyway he's a, he's a great filmmaker and he was um you know I got the film finally to a certain point around Christmas time I had like this 4 hour rough cut and I was just mm-hmm. like ah, is this any like what a, you know and I sent it to him and he was just like you know uh, it was such a vote of confidence at a critical turning point because it was like that was the point where I feel like Joseph and I finally felt like we saw land he was like you've got it. he was like this is your oh, director's wow. he was like this is epic this is beautiful and I was like oh my god that means so much coming oh, from wow. him you
1: know? yes so
0: <laughs> yeah that must
1: um, be so validating yeah go ahead
0: oh yeah it was so validating I like and frame the letter
1: <laughs> wow all right, so for, for lay people like myself, when you when you say verite, what do you mean by that?
0: So verite is real life, basically. It's okay. just, you know, capturing life as it happens. So it's not stage. It's not a sit-down sit interview. It's not me. It's like, in this film, mm-hmm. you get Roy up close and personal like you have never seen him before. It is, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's like, it's him and his element in all of his different moods you know and um yeah it's wow. just
1: yeah <laughs> cool beautiful so um and and i'm certain i mean i'll just go out on a limb and just assume that most people have not seen roy hargrove in this fashion right because see, there are other documentaries out there on him but nothing this intimate well um,
0: i think there's I think. another documentary about him that was made in the 90s by some um, Dutch filmmakers. And so, yeah, it's very it's very different than this one because this one is specifically like, this is the last year of Roy's life, you know? And so we travel with him over the last year of his life. Um, and it's also a masterclass because like in the last year of his life, he's like dispensing all of these jewels of wisdom that he thinks it's really important for young musicians to know. And Mm. so um, even though I didn't do it in this kind of biography, uh, you know, PSA way, it's a less you know, it's it's an important document for musicians. And then also um, the movie zooms out and it becomes about more than just Roy and we explore some other topics like just what it means to be an artist in this world, and how the arts are valued in America. Um, we even go into the exploitation of black artists in this film, mm. and um, you know some other topics, you know, um, addiction and um, and health. And so we explore all of these more kind of broad themes through the lens of the last year of Roy's life. And again, we have like these iconic musicians talking about these topics. Even in ways that you haven't necessarily seen these other musicians talk about, people are very vulnerable in this film. And it's so, it's really wow. beautiful and very heartfelt. And it's a love letter to Black music, you know, not mm-hmm. just jazz, but Black music overall, you right.
1: know? Right. It's funny you should say Quest Love because he posted a couple of days ago when Markie was reported uh, that he transitioned. And um, I mean, Quest loves to share anyway. Yeah. Just in terms of just being an educator at heart. I mean, he, he shares and gives so much, but he was just sure. talking about his time with Biz Markey and uh, what that meant to him. So I can only imagine what he's had to say about Roy Hargrove. But this is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. We're talking to film director, Elion Henry. She's back, y'all. She's talking about uh, the state of the race, if you will, with the making of this incomparable Roy Hargrove documentary. So you're you're putting on your producer hat right now to get the the music cleared. So does that involve now you are? So are you now the music supervisor, or are there have you had yeah. to go through that route? Where, where where are you out now in in the role of producer?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I am very much um, involved in the music supervision of the film, and um, I have a you know a music licensing. Um, firm that I'm working with. That, oh,
1: nice. You know,
0: does licensing for lots of films because this this there's music in my entire film. So it's definitely mm-hmm. kind of like a music-heavy kind of project. So, you know, but we had to get to the rough cut before I knew which songs would actually make it into the film and, you know, um to license but It's mostly live music. You know, I'm using a few masters, but not many. Mm -hmm. Maybe a handful of masters, maybe, you know, but mostly live. It's all stellar live performances from Roy in the last year of his life.
1: Oh, wow. How much communication have you uh, maintained uh, with his family? Was was he married when he passed away?
0: Yeah, he was married when he passed away. And. You know, I mean, a lot of people didn't know that until he passed away. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually I just spoke to Ida yesterday, Roy's widow, and I came to New York um recently and had the opportunity to screen the rough cut for his wife and daughter, and they loved it. So that was a really big oh, wow. uh, turning point for me in Absolutely. the you know life of the film. And so Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's been tough on all, it's been such a huge loss for all of us. Oh, absolutely. It's great that this film is there because um, it can just elevate Roy's um, legacy and his catalog and people who've never known about Roy, you know, when he was alive will find out about him and his death. So, you know. Mm,
1: Okay, personal question time. I don't know if you know, but my best friend passed away in January. DJ Al Jackson of the Soul Children. Um, um, he was my exactly. uh, lifelong best friend and brother. Uh, we did an event in Southern California called Juju that a lot of people know about. And um, he paid me a visit. I mean, he hasn't visited me often since mm-hmm. he's gone on, but he came the other day and uh, I share a little bit about it on a, you know, a social media page that I have. So it's personal. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Uh, how much contact have you had with Roy um, since he passed on?
0: Yeah, Roy and I are in regular contact. Um, you know, uh, we started together working on this in 2016. Um, we had been friends since 1990. <laughs> so mm. when he died, we had been friends for 28 years. And we started working on the documentary in the summer of 2016. And, so we were collaborating on it for a year and a half before his death. And then it was when he died. We continued to collaborate. We, we continue. And he's very much a part of this journey. And he's very much a part of, you know, he really, the editor and I let Roy dictate to us the, the film. I feel, mm-hmm. like, I feel like Roy passed away knowing what the film was going to look like. I felt like I was catching up to him as I was editing it. Wow.
1: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, that's beautiful. So uh, any idea what your timeline is at this point, Uh, clearing the music at this stage? uh, What's your estimation about how much time uh, real estate will be involved with that? Uh, 2022 is coming around the corner. How soon do you see this process really reaching an apex and could possibly hit streaming services or the big screen?
0: Yeah, I mean, if clearances go smoothly and everybody's just on board and I don't have to, you know, switch out any songs in the edit, um, you know, I mean, I feel like we could be done in, you know, two or three months and ready to premiere in Sundance 2022. But, you know, I don't know, like, what if we'll run into any roadblocks, if I might have to switch songs out to get to the finish line. And, Mm -hmm. you know, any stuff like that could, I guess, potentially prolong it. But the good news is I have plenty to choose from with music. So if I do have to, it it will prolong the time and it will require me to go back in creatively reworking things. But no matter what, you know, we've got a gorgeous film (laughs) and so, if for some reason I don't make January twenty twenty two for Sundance, then maybe we can premiere in the spring in Cannes or in the fall in Venice. But I definitely I'm aiming for January twenty twenty two. But you know, anytime in twenty twenty two feels great to me.
1: Absolutely! Oh, I cannot wait. I'm so man. It's I'm so proud of you, Elian. Seriously, I mean, just just knowing uh the stage of where this project was when you were here a couple years ago can you believe it's been two years it's literally been that's almost two years <laughs> <laughs> wow but you've come so far and I, and i was telling you that a lot of people were checking out that first interview and i'm like wow i wonder how Elian's doing and uh here we are and and now we know you're, you're doing some amazing work and um this is an, ladies and gentlemen if you ever want to know what the spirit of just grinding it out is all about what stick-to-itiveness is all about. And uh, just hanging in there, you know, it's it's a project of this magnitude and uh, emotional velocity is going to take a toll. I mean, well, okay, before we let you go, Can you give us an idea of what the emotional toll has been for you? It's a a physical grind, even though you're sitting at an editing bay or table. Okay, we know about that, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about the emotional toll that maybe people wouldn't understand from the outside of what a filmmaker goes through to make a film like this? I
0: mean, there are no words. There are Mm.
1: absolutely no words.
0: I can't really put that into words, but you know, I mean, especially, I, you know, I mean, I'm sure just for filmmakers in general, it's beyond. but there's so much grief time in this process for me because I'm also mourning the loss of yeah. a friend of twenty eight years while I'm trying to make this film right. And um, you know, it's it's heavy, heavy duty stuff, but it's very worth it because, Uh, Roy's story is so meaningful on so many levels, and so it gives me a sense of purpose and it helps me to continue to be close to Roy, but it's tough, you know, it's emotionally very, very taxing, you know. I can only imagine.
1: I can only imagine. Well, uh, like I said, you're an inspiration uh, for whatever this project uh, needs. Uh, to get it over the finish line. Uh, what's the best way for people to, to find a website or to find you so that they can support, offer you encouragement, a pat on the back, uh, you go girl or whatever you wanna call it. Uh, what's the best way for them to do so? Um,
0: well, there is film independent is our fiscal sponsor. And um, so basically it's set up that if people would like to make donations to help the film to get to the finish line, If you make a donation to the Hargrove Project through Film Independent, you can get 100% tax write-off because it's a nonprofit um, umbrella that supports independent filmmakers. And anyone who makes a donation, um, all all donations will be included in the thank you credits. All donors' names um, will be included in the thank you credits at the end of the film. And, you can just Google Hargrove Film Independent and it will take you to the page and it has like the log line, a little synopsis about the film and a link to make a donation to help us get to the finish line. Come
1: on, come on. Yeah. Uh, 2022, I see it for you, Elyon. And I see Thank it for Roy. You. Yeah, it's, it's coming, it's coming. Thank you for, for hanging in there and for doing this project. Uh, and will you join us again? Hey, how about this? Can you come back? Will you come Absolutely. back when it's all done and I don't know, maybe be, before you even go to uh, Sundance or this first one, will you come back and join us on Psychotic Bump School when the film is completely done and ready to go?
0: Absolutely. You've been a supporter from the beginning. You've gotten the vision from the beginning. And I so appreciate that, Rome.
1: Yeah, we appreciate you, too. You inspire us here, Elian. That's Elyon Henry, filmmaker for The Up and Coming. Roy Hargrove documentary. Thank you, Elyon. This is KCWG, the Program program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That's Elion Henry. Stay tuned for more. Y'all we will be right back after this.